Welcome into episode 231 of the Source to Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR podcast network. Source to Say is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations that's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack, and I uh, had a couple of people reach out over the weekend that said I would give my evaluation of this team after the Tennessee game. A lot of good's happened since that that's, game. That's very going to hold you to that because uh, leading up to that game, it was an absolute ever-loving disaster, but now we actually have a basketball team, one that looks like a cohesive together basketball team and it's it's absolutely beautiful to see uh coming off an 85 to 71 win for the wildcats over the georgia bulldogs at home uh this week uh sean an unbelievable second half there uh, where kentucky has to basically climb back down 11 in the first half down uh, eight at halftime uh they jump back out in, in front just a couple minutes later they open out open up the second half on a run and then close out by winning the game by 14 points Sean, an unbelievable effort in the second half where we're seeing ball movement. We're seeing, you know, spacing and shots being made and an absolute juggernaut dominant of a dominant of a performance by uh, Oscar Shibwe, uh leading to what, for my money, Kentucky's best half of the season. Um, obviously, a lot to get to with with Oscar's dominant performance, the lineup, Xavier Wheeler uh, being out, Kaysen jumping back in as a starting point guard. So getting into the nitty gritty, but just kind of big picture, what did this mean to you uh, to have Kentucky pull off this win and how they were able to pull off the win, shot? I, th- I think pulling it off is one thing. I think how they pulled it off is another to show growth. You got me? I hear you. Okay, good. Sorry, it was cutting in and out for a second. Uh, So my takeaway is how they did it with the way they were down at the half to bouncing back and having a strong second half the way that they did, putting up the points that they did, defending the way that they did, so many guys playing well on the heels of the win at Tennessee. And, you know, was that win going to kind of go back down the drain or was it going to be something that they built on and they found a way to build on it? I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, and this was one that they needed to. And look, we said after the Tennessee game that it wasn't a perfect performance. It was what it was. You were able to slow down what they did well. Bruiser Flint said the scouting report was we need to beat them on the glass and we need to limit them from three. If they win on the glass and are making shots, then we don't have a chance. And that's what they Tennessee up to this point when they have won their biggest games. It's because of the way they've dominated on the glass and they've been making shots. So you took care of business in those areas but we still had the ball movement issues. We still had the spacing issues. They weren't making shots. It was kind of a, a rock fight, a defensive rock fight, more so than actual, you know, offensive masterpiece that, that they put forth. Uh, the same couldn't be said. It couldn't be more opposite in the second half here against Georgia, where uh, they I think they scored 51 points in the second half. Uh, looked like a 
uh, maybe 41 points, whatever, whatever it ended up being, maybe, maybe 51. Um, but it, it just, the way things came together uh, with playing through Oscar, but not in the sense where, you know, you t- toss it inside and everybody else stops moving and he just goes to work. Like you still, you know, he was knocking down a couple mid range jump shots. He was, you know, going one on one on one and, and doing the post moves and, and thriving in that area as well. He but he was also getting the cleanup, you know, put back efforts that have made him so dominant last season. It was a, an all around effort for him, but everybody else was working around him. It wasn't just you, you know Oscar go to work and everybody else just drink a cup of coffee and 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 take it take a break. It, everybody was working together in harmony, and and it was the, the most cohesive I've seen this team. But uh, you, you can't not applaud what Oscar Sheboy brought to the table, just an absolute superstar performance, 37 points on 12 of 20 shooting, 13 of 18 from uh, the free throw line, 24 rebounds, three steals, one block in 38 minutes. Uh, for my money, the most dominant performance we've seen out of him, and that's saying a well, lot because we sure as hell have seen a lot of dominant performances out of him. Bingo, bingo. I was about to say the, the reigning national player of the year decided to do something that we hadn't even seen him do when he was the national player of the year a year ago. Like he took his game to another level, in, an, in a moment where Kentucky needed it. Like, you you couldn't win the game at Tennessee. And we, we, you talked about how ugly that game was. And I wasn't on uh, the, the recap show or the postgame show for that one. So this is the first time I'm getting to talk about it. But it wasn't the most pretty win or the most beautiful win. But it was a win. But to come back, you had to get the one at Rupp Arena against Georgia on Tuesday night. And Oscar was the biggest reason why. I mean, he was dominant. There, there was nothing that they could, could do to handle him. I thought he looked the best that he's looked in a very long time. I think a lot of that goes in hand with the lineup that we will talk about at some point in the show. But Oscar taking it to another level, I think everybody else kind of grabbed a hold of that and kind of followed the lead. And I thought that was the biggest thing is Kentucky's best, most dominant dominant player looked like that on Tuesday night. And it's kind of been frustrating because I used to enjoy so much after – uh, Oscar dominant, you know, games where he'd put up ridiculous numbers last year, all of the stats that would come from it, you know, what history was being made, however many double doubles he had hit and uh, which records he was shattering. And, and this season, unfortunately, and part of it was because he had broken so many last year that you can't break your own records over and over again. Um, but it was kind of getting a little old where it was like, we're not, we're not getting those fresh records broken. We're not getting the, the, the things that, that we just enjoyed seeing so much after the games. And we finally got another big run of them after this last one. A couple of them, Oscar is the second player since 1950 to have at least 37 and 24 in a game. Uh, Bill Spivey was the last in 1951. He's the first UK player since Mike Phillips in 1976 to have 30 and 20 in a game. Just a six Wildcat overall to score at least 37 points at Rupp Arena. The third player to score 30-plus against Georgia at Rupp Arena, joining Malik Monk and Jamal Mashburn. That's pretty solid company there. Uh, And then uh, six 20-rebound games at Kentucky versus uh, for for Oscar versus five combined for all Kentucky players since 1973-74. Like that that number, that last one is like, are you kidding me? Five <laughs> players have combined for 20 rebound games since 1973. And Oscar in a year and a half has had six by himself. And, and you know, I don't think his performance generated the headlines that I think it should have. I mean, I think that a, a lot more people should have been talking about what he did Tuesday night. And it, and it wasn't as big of a story. And I think a lot of it's just because we've seen him do crazy stuff. But what he did in that game was even crazier than the things that he'd accomplished a year ago. And, and, and Oscar is a guy, Jack, that I thought 
it was big that he came back this year. Obviously, we know that. Like, where would this team be without Oscar Shibuya right now? I have no idea. But it was almost set up for him to have kind of unrealistic expectations. Like, it's hard right. to top what he right. did a year ago. Well, he he topped it and then some against Georgia. Now, can he have that game again in the following game? That No, that's that's an unreal effort. But if he's half of that, it's dominant and it's enough for Kentucky. But, man, he was something to watch on Tuesday night. Like, the, he, I thought he moved quicker. I, th- I, I think he started building on that in the Tennessee game, though. He started knocking down some of those mid-range jumpers he did a year ago. Started, I know he had a really good rim run there in the first half. I think he built some confidence as well. And the way that this team has rallied around that and started to fight, I think that everybody has kind of picked it up in the last couple of games. Yeah. I mean, his second half was 23 points and 15 rebounding by itself. Like that's, that's a career game game for probably 80% of college basketball. 80% of college basketball would go, hell yeah, I got 23 (laughs) and 15. Are you kidding me? Like leading up to Oscar's career here, we would look at a 23 and 15. Like I remember Julius Randle would put together those types of games. We go, Oh Man, God. I've never seen anybody like Julius Randle just put together double-double after double-double. And, you know, the way he scored and the way he would rebound the ball, would be like, goodness gracious, his motor is unbelievable. Yeah, Oscar did that in a, in a single yeah. half. Like, just unfathomable, the dominant performance that he put together. And it wasn't just on the offensive end, Sean. We uh, have seen him destroyed in the pick-and-roll um, in recent weeks, just unplayable on, on yeah. defense. We saw him put together an actual uh, – Unbelievable performance on that end as well. A team best defensive rating of 69, which is uh, points allowed per 100 possessions for uh, the the Cats. 16 total stops and a stop rate of uh, 119.7 with just 9.2 points allowed uh, overall. Um, For a guy that has received as much criticism as anybody on that end of the floor, uh, I know he got kind of into the, uh, you know, got in a little bit of trouble for kind of calling out his team, saying I was unplayable against Alabama and I had to get taken off the floor because of how bad I was defensively. If other guys aren't fighting the way I wasn't against Alabama, they need to be taken out. Let's put in the walk-ons. You know, uh, that was, you know, a comment that John Calipari made after this game saying uh, he, he speaks six languages. He doesn't know what he's saying. I thought that was kind of a cop-out answer, but, um, but, but, but still it, it was, it was deserved criticism. He has been very bad in that, on that end of the floor and he was very good. Uh, just this week against Georgia and a great step in the right direction. It wasn't just offensive dominance. It wasn't trading buckets. It was him shutting it down on the other end too. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a huge step in the right direction for Oscar. I thought it was a huge step in the right direction for the team. And I, I think a lot of people have taken huge steps the last couple of games. And honestly, one of the biggest steps I think has been John Calipari has made some changes. He, he's rolling with some different lineups and a lot of good things happening. So I kind of got to give the head coach some credit too. I know I was really tough on him there for a few weeks. So I got to give Cal some credit. I think that he's also adjusted the last couple of games. Part of that adjustment, Sean, um, we got to talk about it. It's one of the most polarizing topics in, in BBN world right now. Kaysen Wallace emerging as point guard number one for this Wildcat team, Xavier Wheeler. Um, playing just one minute in the second half against Georgia and Kentucky playing its best half of, uh, of the season, kind of putting two and two together. It's hard not to make any big picture assumptions and, uh, you know, just thinking what this team can be if they keep rolling with the lineup that, that everybody has been claiming for all, all year long. Look, 
Wallace played 19 points in the second half compared to just one for Wheeler. Kentucky uh, was down by as many as 11 in the first half, eight at the break. Uh, when we, Wheeler played 10, Kaysen only played nine in the first half due to foul trouble. Um, down 11, then Cruz to an 11-point win. Uh, Kaysen was a team high plus 22 in the plus minus, and Xavier was a team low minus nine. Kaysen was unbelievable, 17 points, 7 of 11 shooting, 2 for 4 from 3, really, really thrived in the pick and roll. Uh, the ball was moving whenever, you know, he was making shots, but the ball was moving whenever he wasn't taking shots. Uh, it was just a whole different team, and, and it's a conversation we have to have, Sean. Um, what did you see with Kaysen Wheeler as point guard number one? Kaysen Wallace as point guard number one, obviously. Yeah, and uh, we'll get into Case and Wheeler because I do think that they're going to need both of those guys, and I think that there's a there's a help, there's a happy medium from both. And but but what you see with with Case and at the point, still in pick and roll, he can find other guys and find shooters, and just the spacing that is on the floor just by having another shooter at that spot that the defense can't just sag off of somebody and be a help defender. And that's where I was getting at with Oscar's progress and Oscar's jump. Like he had space to work in the second half against Georgia where you can't, you can't do things that with Kaysen on the floor that you can do with Savier on the floor defensively. Like, but they're going to need both Jack. And I want to see Savier stay engaged in the Tennessee game. He was, which he was at with an injury. I thought there were times maybe on the bench the other night that he wasn't as engaged but it's got to be hard, right? I mean, you're, you've led the Power Five conferences in assists for two straight years. You're right there at the top again, and you play a minute in the second half or you don't play much at all. But credit to John Calipari because I thought this season was dying when they went to Knoxville. I did. Yeah. And maybe we wouldn't have seen that lineup the way we saw it if Cal wouldn't have been forced to have to do it. But having your hand be forced – led to seeing, okay, you get the biggest win of the season. Now let's see what this lineup does again. And we had no analytics to kind of back it up. Well, now we're starting to get those analytics with Kaysen being the one. And the numbers back it up, not just on the offensive end of the floor, but it's also starting to back up on the defensive end of the floor, which was John Calipari's biggest what with playing that lineup together? Question yeah. mark. Mm -hmm. But you're getting the rebounding from Oscar. You're getting Jacob at the four doing his thing. And you're getting two guys that can shoot it and spread you out in a big body guard that can get downhill, get in the paint, but he can also shoot the three as well. I, I think it was a huge adjustment. I think it's one that has salvaged the season, but they're going to need both of those guys. I think Wheeler's impact can be just as big. And if nothing else, and I want to dive into the numbers and the, the basketball bandy lineup and kind of uh, that conversation and, and the numbers behind it. But uh, I do think, again, before we get too far ahead of the case and Wall case and Wallace is our guy, you know, cast Savier off to the side, because that definitely does not need to happen. No, no absolutely. If nothing else, this was proof that Cal needs to play more shooters, that this needs to be, yeah. this is, it's not even necessarily about case versus Savier. Part of, you know, in part, a lot to do with that, but a lot of it also has to do with Antonio and CJ playing together, not throwing in Chris and not throwing in, you know, uh, Jacob at the at the three with Lance at the four and Oscar at the five. You know, the big heavy lineups where things just get so congested and spacing's terrible. I 100% think a lot of a lot of the efficiency stuff has to do with the shooting side of things, 
with CJ and, and Antonio, not necessarily just focused on Kaysen. It, it's part of it, but I just wanted to put that out there first. But the numbers with Kaysen, Antonio, CJ, Jacob, and Oscar in the lineup together, they graded out, Sean, as the best five-man lineup since 2019-2020 with an yeah. adjusted team efficiency margin of 86.0. Uh, no other team in America has one above 70 right now. I mean, that that is – the sample size is getting bigger. That's 60 possessions. Other, uh, you know, main starting core five lineups, you know, are up in the 300 possessions. So it's still a relatively smaller sample size, but we're starting to get one that, that at least you can start tracking – a lot more significantly with 60 plus uh, possessions. It's tracking is one of the best in college basketball, Sean. Yeah. And you're, you're talking a lot of different lineups and a lot of different teams and a lot of different combinations that those numbers are playing into. Like this is, this is something now with that sample size that, that it's, it's still small, but it's getting bigger. And Kentucky is also finding its most success that it's had all season since it's played that lineup. I don't think that that's a coincidence. So I think it was a huge step in the right direction, and it's not too late, Jack. It's not like it's late February and you start making this change. It's mid-January, and you made it in the, the biggest environment to make it in in Knoxville, and then you followed up and you went with it for an entire second half pretty much, uh, mixing in Chris Livingston there against Georgia. So I think that it's encouraging to see that Cal has decided to go that route and add more shooting to the floor put Kaysen with the ball in his hands. And look, that's a discussion that you and I had on the show in November, that at some point we expected Kaysen to be the guy that would close games for Kentucky at the one. We just yeah. thought it made the most sense. But I'm also going to say, like, you you agree with this. Like, they're going to need both those guys. This cannot just be a Kaysen Wallace, Kaysen Wallace run the one. They need Xavier Wheeler. And they need him to play a significant role. Like, they're, he had a stretch in the first half where he got a steal. And then he come down and he got, I think he got a back tip too. And his energy was great. Like they, they need him to still do Sabir Wheeler things. It's just that lineup offensively and what it has done defensively too, with that sample size, that just makes the most sense to be Kentucky's best lineup that wins games and maybe closes out games and things like that. When Kentucky's in a, in a do or die moment in a game, those five have to be on the floor. And that's the, the I mean, the proof is in the pudding right now. Yeah. If you've been following along with this show, I've said several times that the plan internally was to give the keys to Kaysen as the year went on. And again, not that does not mean just throw Xavier in the garbage and say, thanks for your time here. Have a nice life. Like that's definitely not the plan. And that's what it, that's what can't be the plan. But it is absolutely fair to say that the plan all along has been to slowly let Kaysen, you know, kind of just take bigger steps, you know, step by step, but bigger steps with each. Uh, with, with each passing game and we're over halfway through the year uh, and now we kind of have something to hang on to with a larger sample size and the efficiency what it is I mean that lineup with Kaysen at the one uh, outscored uh, Georgia 37 to 19 during their time on the floor in the second half um, the other lineups were were outscored 52 to 48 I mean that's not a yeah. coincidence like that's that's it's not, not. Uh, th there's a lot of people on Twitter that are just you know just clamoring to uh, you know, come to Xavier's defense, and I, I understand, and it's a really crappy situation that he's in, and we'll talk, you know, but I, I understand with the birthday and, you know, all that. It's a really crappy situation, but uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes you trust the numbers. Sometimes you trust the analytics, but sometimes the eye test doesn't lie either. And the the no. eye test has always been there that just the team just has always seemed to be more free-flowing, and, and the ball moves so much better whenever Kaysen is leading the charge, and there wasn't really enough, you know, the, the numbers weren't there to justify that. The stats weren't there to justify it. Now 
it's like you you have the eye test and you have the numbers to back it up. So it's really, I, I don't even know how you can argue against at least being more ball dominant with Kaysen rather it's, than Xavier. It's also one of those things too that when you're not winning games, you're in a position to make decisions, right? To make the tough decisions, like you you have to make the tough decisions. Let's let's say Kentucky had lost at Tennessee on Saturday, then look, the the noise wouldn't have been quieting with uh, John Calipari. It just got louder and louder and louder. So when you get to a certain point, you have to try everything that you can. And that was the one thing that I think Cal hadn't tried was maybe listen and say, okay, let's put more shooters on the floor. Let's put Kaysen at the one. Uh, let, let's see what happens. But his hand was forced to do it. And in credit, he went to it again on Tuesday night when his hand wasn't forced to do it. So, I mean, that's why you pay him the, the millions of dollars that you pay him, right, to make the best decisions for this team. And I thought that he made a an excellent decision to win a game in that moment. And now you get back to the drawing board and you know that that lineup is there. And I think you're going to see it a ton. Uh, but you also figure out a way that Sabir adds to this team as well. And I think that's the, the big thing now because there's going to be foul trouble. There's going to be back spasms. There's going to be injuries where you're going to need both these guys where last year at the end of the year, it came down to a situation where it was Sabir dribble, 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 dribble. And that wasn't what made Kentucky successful for most of last year. And you don't want to fall back on that again. That doesn't set Sabir up for success. It doesn't set Kentucky up for success. So now Cal's thing is, how do I get the best out of both these guys and this team and find something that works for both of them, whether that be opposite one another, whether that be together? Is it Sabir off the ball instead of on the ball? doing some things. I think Sabir has more success, honestly, off the ball than he does on the ball when you, when you watch the tape. Yeah, it, it just maximizes ball movement. Like, the ball cannot stick the way it did against UCLA. I mean, that that game was the most mind-numbing. Like, you sit there and watch the film on it, and it's like, there – and I think Stephen had the number. There, there was, a, there was a, a stretch of seven possessions, I think, where eight total passes were made in eight possessions. I mean, in seven possessions, eight total passes made like in that UCLA game. Like, that's, un, that's, that's inexcusable. You have to – if nothing else, this shows that if you have a, a playmaker and passer, the, the quality passer that Savir is – Tell him, like, keep that ball moving. One more. Just one more. Just keep keep it moving and maximize his ability as a playmaker. Right now, you are not utilizing his abilities as a, as a passer. And I, I, hope, I hope that this is an epiphany for play style, not necessarily just, uh, again, I, none of this is – honestly, I think the next step for John Calipari is figuring out how to play well, Xavier Wheeler more, as crazy it, as it sounds. It is. It, like that's the next step is figuring out how to play Savir more. It, it, it's it sounds the, ludicrous, but the style it, the style that Savir Wheeler cannot play is grinded out. Yeah, you cannot grind out possessions with Savir Wheeler. I just don't think that that. So that's where I'm coming from. Late in games, I think that what they're doing right now is it's changed the pace of the play. That it's changed the pace of the game. Like the ball's moving. The floor space, guys are moving quicker, guys are getting better looks. When you get into it and down to the to the late game situations where Kentucky struggled in the past and struggled at times this year, it was a grinded out like the UCLA game where nobody was scoring. It was like, oh my gosh, like how can I watch any more of this offensively? And it was putting Sabir in bad spots. If this team plays fast and you've got two shooters on the wing and you've got a uh, guy at the four that creates some space, you got Oscar doing his thing. I think Sabir can play and have some success, but if you have to grind it out and you don't have guys that create that spacing, 
Sabir's not going to have much success. That's not what he's built to do. So I'm hoping that Cal finds something. And, and that's the thing. Like, this is a good, this isn't a bad problem. You know, this is a, this is a good thing. Like, cause uh, Sabir still leads the power five and, and what the way he's done with assist and one of the best playmakers when he's getting others involved, you still have that luxury there. Kentucky's going to need both of them to get where they want to go. And I think part of it too, Savir has to have some accountability and he not does. just not not be an assist hunter. Not just not just yep. try to pad stats and and just try to hunt assists. He needs to learn the hockey assists. He needs to be a guy that is comfortable passing the ball ahead in transition instead of having it attached to his waist and get from, you know, go 94 feet, get to the other end, and then initiate the offense from there. Sometimes yeah. you just got to get that ball out of your hand. He's, uh, uh, to a fault, he is a guy that likes to have that ball in his hand. He likes to be the the, the, the Ray Rondo. He likes to be the one yeah. to make the play. He wants to have the assist. Sometimes you got to put the stats aside and, and just play the winning brand of basketball. And, and uh, you know, I think that's kind of the case with Kaysen. That dude does not care if he scores 25 points. He doesn't care if he gets 10, 15, 20 assists or eight rebounds or whatever. Like these, these, these dudes have to stop hunting stats and focus on just playing winning basketball because the stats will come as a result of them playing winning basketball. As we saw with Oscar Sheboy. That was not a result of him trying to be me, me, I, I basketball. That was a result of him working his ass off, out or hustling everybody else, getting putbacks. Again, it wasn't the way he was scoring, as you said earlier, Sean, he was scoring in a, in a variety of ways that made him tough to guard. It was not one-dimensional basketball through Oscar. You just threw it down low. Everybody else turned their heads to the side and said, all right, Oscar's going to go do, do his thing. It was him knocking down jump shots. He was putting the ball on the ground. And, and driving to the basket, he was you know knocking down jump shots. Uh, you, you know he was even passing it out out when he had the ball in the paint. Like it was not uh, just this this negative orb of energy down low like we've seen earlier on, on in the year. He was playing efficient all around basketball, and the numbers came as, as a result of it. That's kind of a team epiphany that I think that that they all need as well. That Xavier just can't be hunting assists. Like I think that's part no. of the ball issue. I, I think that's that's half the battle. Yeah, it, it needs to be severe to me. It needs to be play fast, out of your hands fast. Yeah. And that should be his thing. Defend, play fast, get the ball out of your hands. And I think that you see him have success. I think you still see him get to his assist numbers if he's playing a certain amount of minutes because guys are going to be making plays. Look, they're, they're putting shooters on the floor now. There's guys that can make shots. If you just set these guys up and get the ball in their hands, and, and it's not a coincidence that you see C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves playing with more confidence right now. Like, confidence is growing for this team. Something, Jack, that after Alabama and especially after South Carolina, I didn't know if it was possible for them to find confidence again. Mm-hmm. I thought it was zapped. I thought it was zapped from the the head coach all the way down to whoever at the end of the bench. Like, I thought it was gone. And then they go to a place and build it that has been one of the most difficult places for this program to have success under John Calipari. And I think that's what gave them confidence. But you know what else has been different? I feel like that fire has been there with Cal the last couple of games. I thought he coached his tail off in Knoxville. I thought he was passionate. I thought he did a lot of things well. And I think that's a big change too, is if you're, if your leader is engaged in doing it too, then I think your other guys are more than likely to, to do it as well. And, and I think it started obviously with Oscar Sheboy and it's followed all the way down to, to Casey Wallace and others, uh, CJ Frederick coming out and defending Cal a week ago. And then you see him embrace him in the locker room at Knoxville. Like, that's a dude that's like, hey, you've been sticking your neck out for me. It's my time to stick mine out for you. 
And what has happened? You have felt something within this team that they're playing inspired basketball together. Yeah, and I think part of it as well, um, and Cal even talked about this uh, with that lineup, that the, the, that lineup only works if Jacob Toppin is rebounding the way that he did uh, against Georgia. I mean, look, three for 10, the shooting wasn't there, but he goes for 11, 11, and four assists with two blocks and a steal. That's a damn good basketball game for That's exactly what this team needs. It's Sean drops his phone, I think. Uh, but that's exactly what this team I don't know what's going on there. Are you good? All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> this team needs Jacob Toppin to be as engaged uh, as he was, and that's half the battle. Like that, That's exactly what Cal talked about, the quote. The only thing I worried about was defensively, and that means you're putting a lot of weight on Jacob to rebound. He did it so you can play with three guards. If he doesn't do it, you've got to have Chris in there rebounding. You have to, and when Chris is in there, the offense isn't hasn't been as efficient as, as it needs to be. Uh, everything works together better when you have Kaysen or Savir. I don't care who it is. You have one of those two guys with two shooters on the floor with Jacob Toppin, who has the ability to make a shot from the mid-range, from the high post, work well, you know, kind of that zone buster that we saw him uh, against Georgia. They, you know, you know, they attacked that zone, uh, and that, that worked really, really well. And then you have Oscar dominating. It's the, the style of play growth that we saw, not necessarily the individual pieces that, that I, I think everybody's kind of making a big, big deal out of, but uh, I think it's because of the way everybody else was engaged around Oscar around, you, you know, Kaysen in this case, but they need to be the same with, with Savi Wheeler. It can't be just a one, two game uh, between K uh, between Savir and Oscar where nobody else is touching the ball and their engagement isn't there either. It has to be an all in effort with this team. As I think we got Sean back. I think yeah, he, just he, a, he, he, a, a note for a note for people. You can't just sit here with your phone in the sun. It eventually gets really hot. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, "What is going on with my phone?" So uh, it, sound, yeah. it sounded like uh, it sounded like it was like in a popcorn machine, like yeah. in the tin, like in the movie theater where the popcorn's coming out of the thing. It, it sounded like it was inside that and like ricocheting up and down in a tin can yeah. like that. So I'm glad. I'm glad uh, you got that solved. Yeah, we're. I'm back. Did I miss anything? <laughs> no, I, I was just talking about the importance of Jacob Toppin and how it's a, it's an all-in effort. It can't just be Kaysen at the one. Now ever, all of this team's issues are are tossed to the side. Uh, you know, this, no, this has to be a, a rebounding effort with Toppin. This has to be an engagement with CJ and Antonio. They have to be shot ready, ready to make these shots because they have not been in the past. That's been part of the reason. They've almost been bored out there waiting for – their opportunity to come and, and it just has not come. So they're like, you know, and, and I compared it. I don't think you were on uh, when, when I brought it up last time. It's like a, a, a toddler out in the outfield during T-ball where, you know, the ball's not going to come to you on the outfield. So you're playing with the butterfly running around with the butterflies and picking grass and the little daffodils and all that stuff in the, in the ground. Uh, they're, they're just in a whole different realm because they know they're not getting the ball. They're not getting the touches. So why would you be shot ready if you know you're not going to ever get any shot opportunities? That's half the battle. It's an, it's an all-in effort with this team starting from this, up top this, to the one down to the five. This is a total team effort. Like the, the only way that they get where they want to go is if everyone is doing their job. And that goes from Casey Wallace to Oscar Sheboy to Jacob Toppin to John Calipari. Like this is uh, this is a team that, they can't afford for one or two guys to kind of not show up to work. 
like they need everybody to show up. And if they do, then I think this team has potential to, to make some noise in the SEC. And look, they're, they've climbed back to three and three in the league. We were looking at staring down the barrel of one and four just a few days ago and thinking, okay, this season's done. And now they've got new life. They have a quad one win. They have more quad one opportunities coming up. And resumes, resumes start to show up now. So uh, all, it, all it takes is one thing to change the mindset. And Knoxville changed it. Oh, that's a that's a good feeling. I, we we have some recruiting stuff to get to, but re- real quick, um, Texas A and M they're coming in hot, seven straight. Uh, I think seven straight SEC wins. They're undefeated in the conference. Um, what do you need to see on Saturday when the Aggies come in? It's a really hot SEC team. How do they continue this this growth, this step by step growth that we're seeing with the, with this team right now? I think you continue to see the inspired play that Kentucky's been playing with, uh, especially on the on the defensive end and and the the offensive flow and things like that. The energy. I thought Rupp Arena. You know, I wasn't there, but watching it on TV, I, I thought Rupp was really engaged the other night as well. And I think that's another thing that that helped that team against Georgia. And you get another home game. You, you don't get many weeks in SEC play where you get back to back home games. Uh, most of the time it's one, and then you go on the road for another one. So getting a chance, uh, an early afternoon game at Rupp Arena, a chance to extend your winning streak to three games. I think seeing those guards continue to play well, I think this team is going to go as C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves make shots. And then Jacob Toppin at the four, continuing to do his thing. Like, we we don't – you don't have to have Jacob Toppin be an, an NBA draft pick or a first-round pick. You just need him to do what he does well. And uh, I think that's a big deal. I, I think Chris Livingston continuing to build confidence as well. In his role, I just think as long as everybody buys in and nobody tries to be something that they're not, then I think this team is going to continue to find success. And I think that's the biggest thing I'm looking for is that C-word consistency from this team. And I love that you brought up CJ and Antonio because I agree. And I think this last game was the perfect example of it because CJ went one for eight and one for five from three and Antonio went four for 11, one for five from three. Those two snipers, sharpshooter, you know, the known for being the team's best shooters, combined for two of ten from three. But guess what? Nobody was talking about their their shooting struggles because they made the shots when they mattered. Uh, well, you talked to Cal after the you, you you talked to Cal after the game, and he said the play of the game was CJ's made three to take the lead. Uh, yep. I think three minutes in the second half, off the offensive rebound from Oscar Shibway. He was cold as ice, but he made the shot that mattered, and it led to that momentum. The Rupp Arena exploded. You, you retook the lead, and you kind of had that finally moment, that that like, all right, Eureka, we we're, we finally got this thing rolling. Let's get this thing going. And it, it, what, you know, that was the only shot that he made all game, but it was the biggest shot of the game, and that's all that matters. Antonio Reeves, and it wasn't even about him making shots. Uh, Cal said the other biggest game play of the game was Antonio Reeves. Uh, when he picked off that pass that led to the pushing ahead in Oscar Shibway uh, in tra- transition for the and one finish. It was, you know, plays like that. Those two have to be able to make plays. They have to make those shots. Even if they're cold shooting nights, they have to make the shot the shots that matter. Uh, they just have not been doing that earlier in the year. And, and they, they and definitely they showed up when it mattered against Georgia. And, and another thing too, how about this reputation? Even if they're not making shots, the scouting report says what? They make shots. They're going to make that shot. Yep. And, the, and the game plan's not changing from the opening tip till five minutes left in the second half. Like, C.J. Frederick's still labeled a shooter. Antonio Reeves still labeled a shooter. You have to respect those things, whether they're one for five or four for five. 
having those guys on the floor and committed to having that spacing there only makes life easier on Oscar. It makes life easier on Jacob. It makes life easier on Xavier or Kaysen, whoever's running the one. I think a commitment to playing those two together as much as possible is what's going to make this season continue to, to turn along the way it has the last couple of games. Yeah, I completely agree. It's not a finished product. There's still a lot of work to be done. But goodness gracious, we just needed baby steps. Right now, they were backpedaling. Like, by the game, regressing, backpedaling. Now we're at least making little tiny step-by-step progressions that uh, they they desperately needed. They needed that win down in Knoxville. Like, they needed air, and then they needed to to fight and come back against against, uh, Georgia and and pull off that win, a solid – you know, you you covered the spread. You won by double digits. You kind of got that monkey off your back where it's like, man, we just can't win tight games and all that. Uh, you can't, you know, coast to a coast to the finish line. It's always got to be something tight at the end of the games. You got all of that stuff aside and, and you won a game convincingly. Now we need to, to roll from the beginning and you can't, can't afford more slow starts. Let's put, put together a, a strong 40 minutes instead of a strong 20 minutes. Uh, against Texas A&M, and, and let's keep making these steps forward because I, I you, you we're seeing the tangible progress, and now yep. just needs to keep moving forward. Yep, I agree with you 100. percent And the, this is this team is now in a good spot. They're they're building on some momentum, and you got to keep building on momentum because uh, tough games coming up here at the end of the month and into February. So you got to win this one, and then uh, I know coming up here, then you got Kansas to close out next week. That's the next, I guess, barometer that I'm looking at. I said Tennessee. Now I want to see what they do when you want to win the next couple of games. Be on a four-game winning streak with Kansas walking into Rupp Arena. You get a win there. Then you build a five-game winning streak that includes two quad one wins, and you're starting to build something going into the final month of the regular season. That's the next step that I'm looking at. That's what I want to see next. It's a new year, new team for Kentucky basketball, but it's also a new year, new you. Sean, so give yourself a fresh start with my bookie. Whether you bet to earn or to make the games more exciting, my bookie gives you the most for your money with their redesigned deposit bonus. And just use promo code Sources Say on a deposit of fifty dollars or more to receive a cash bonus instantly to your my bookie account. Using this bonus is simple. Bet your deposit amount just once, and you are ready to cash out. It's no strings attached with my bookie. Bet on the NFL. UFC or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly online blackjack tournaments with so many brands to choose from. You need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win like my bookie bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie, Sean, um, a couple of quick notes on recruiting. Ian Jackson is a kid that we have both loved for a very long time. Kentucky loved him. It was the number one target on their board in the class of 2024 he announces his commitment not to the University of Kentucky, like everybody around the program expected, like every national analyst, like I expected, like you expected. Everybody considered him a lock. Kentucky was the dream school. It was the place that he always wanted to go to to develop under John Calipari and become a pro. He chooses the place that doesn't produce one and dones, that does not produce lottery picks in North Carolina under Hubert Davis. Um, and a very surprising commitment that in the last 24 hours leading up to the commitment, uh, the staff was actually very confident leading up to it. And then, you know, the night before uh, I talked to him um, leading up to the uh, uh, leading up to the decision to kind of preview his his choice. Uh, and he said that he had already made his decision. He had kept it quiet the week before 
Uh, he, all the only people that knew were him and and his two parents. Uh, he said that that he was content with his decision. He knew that this would be the school that get him to the pros, or that he'd be a one and done with, that he'd be the number one pick with. And he ends up committing the next day to UNC. Word kind of leaked out a couple hours beforehand that it would be uh, UNC would be the choice. But an unbelievable kind of turn of events for this class, a really down recruiting class in general in 2024 that you needed the kind of high profile guys at the top of the class. You don't even get him. Um, it's, it's a tough loss. There's no, there's no way to put it. This wasn't out of effort. This wasn't out of, uh, you know, any excuses about why they missed on him. It was just a miss. And uh, unfortunately now they have to scramble for secondary options, John. Yeah, they do. And I, I guess if there is a plus, right, you have time to scramble for secondary options like it, it happened early and you've got time to kind of figure out where you want to go with that and uh but ian man he's talented and you know you and i both have, have both seen him play in person and, and watched him play and one of the most talented players definitely in that class but a guy that i think transitions well to college basketball and will have a ton of success at north carolina would have loved to see him at kentucky but uh it didn't work out but if there is a positive this isn't the midnight hour so you're not left kind of scrambling going, okay, the number one target on our board is gone. How do you fill that role? Now you can kind of look at it and see where you want to go. Is it reclass options in 24? I don't know. Is it portal when it gets to that point? Is it somebody coming back that maybe you don't expect to come back? We're still a long ways away from this impact really kind of being something that we really have to discuss, but it is unfortunate that they don't get their number one guy. Yeah, it's he was the number guy, number one guy on their on their target list. They thought he was a, an immediate plug and play kind of guy. He was a two way kind of dog. Uh, he's going to give it his all on the defensive end of the floor, while also being that athlete. You know, beat you off the dribble for you know great finishes at the rim. That you know a little bit of a, of shooting struggles, uh, but he was a guy that they penciled in as a as a, a dog, a guy who was going to go get his yeah. own bucket and and, and thrive in this roster. Uh, unfortunately, he's headed elsewhere. I would absolutely look at Darren Peterson in the class of 2025 as the number one target for Kentucky now moving forward. The, he he is now turned into a must-get play for the New Jersey Scholars, which is where, obviously, uh, DJ Wagner and Aaron Bradshaw play. Uh, so you at least have the ties there. He's ranked as a, as a Kentucky top five player in that class. And it's a very, very good class of 2025. Um, unlike the 2024 class, that is terrible, really, from top to bottom. I mean, um, we, I'm down on this 2023 class, but I'm even even lower on the 2024 class. So I I genuinely think if Darren Peterson reclasses to 2024, as I expect him to, and I do think Kentucky's right there, I think Duke will make a run as well. So we might, we might get another Duke-Kentucky battle, but I do think he favors Kentucky, and I do think that they're in a good spot with him uh, for the class of 2024 when he does inevitably make uh, that reclass official. And I do think that he would end up reclassing and becoming a top three prospect in the class immediately. So you 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 will get the, a star quality guy if you are able to land him. But now the pressure's on. You got to land that guy. The pressure's on to land a guy like a guy like Trey Johnson, who is also top two in this class uh, as well. He's going to be in for the Kansas game for an official visit. The, the Texas schools. Uh, he's he's from Texas. Um, he, he really favors them. He's also considering the pro route. You got to figure out a way to convince him and change his mind. Uh, I would put Kentucky behind those Texas schools and even the pro route right now for te for Trey Johnson. you got to figure out a way to make a run with him. Um, but those two guys are now at the very tip top of the recruiting list for John Calipari and, and his staff, uh, and they've now turned into kind of must-gets must after missing out on a guy like Ian Jackson.
Yeah, and uh, that's where I was getting at with the reclass. When you lose your top guy, it, it, it's where I was coming from too, where it's it's better to lose him early because then you can kind of start building those relationships behind it. And if it is a reclass option, you can start, start getting to work on that as well and put yourself in a position to kind of soften that blow and, and end up with a, a, an equal caliber of a player uh, because we, we know Kentucky is going to need that guy at the top of that class, especially in the backcourt. Yeah, absolutely. But watch out for Boogie Flanagan as well, a uh, kid from the yeah. Northeast, an area that Kentucky really, really likes, and they're hitting hard to Hod Pettiford. Um, he was kind of a secondary guard option for the Cats before this. They kind of, The staff kind of compares him to a shorter De'Aaron Fox, kind of six-foot flat, uh, but athletic as hell, lefty, shooting struggles like De'Aaron Fox, but also athletic and, and bouncy and, and kind of capable of dunking it on your head uh, like De'Aaron Fox, but just five inches shorter. So those, some of those issues as well. So a um, couple names to keep a close eye on. Um, they're still going after Flory Badunga at the center position. He's, for my money, the most dominant player in the class. Got to go after him. If, if he's gettable, he's definitely a must-get for the Cats. Um, but, yeah, they're still looking up. Uh, it's, it's tough to miss out on your top guy, but still other options out there. Got to hit the reclass. Got to figure out if the portal options best for you, or uh, if you can get some guys back and, and you know really make a run uh, here. Not this season, not ne- next season, but the year after that. Plenty of time to uh, figure all that stuff out, and um, plenty of stuff for Kentucky to get their stuff get their stuff together. Sean, it's it's a good little run for the Cats. Much needed steps forward. Uh, very very happy that we get to talk positively about this team now yeah. instead of the doom and gloom, missing the tournament NIT. That's not fun talk. It's, that was the reality of the beast. They were at that level, but I'm glad that they finally turned things around. So, um, not not entirely out of the woods yet. You gotta you gotta continue building on it. Baby baby steps, baby steps. Yep. Um, one last message here uh, from our friends with Best Western, with more than 30 Best Western hotels and resorts throughout Kentucky. Both leisure and business travelers can count on what matters most: a warm welcome. Welcome, a rewarding stay, and a truly exceptional value. Massive lakes, tree houses, mountain uh, mountain tunnels, bustling cities. You never know what's around the next bend from outdoor activities to local restaurants. Kentucky offers something fun for everyone, and Best Western offers something for every traveler. Wherever life takes you, Best Western is there. Visit bestwesternkentucky.com and at Best Western on social media. Sean Smith, uh, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim, KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. We'll be back after the Texas A&M game. Hopefully, three straight wins for the Cats. We needed a lot of fun stuff coming up here on the show. We will see you then.